we're going to think a little bit about marriage. And Paul's going to use marriage to teach us some things about why Christ died. Let me read this passage. It's just a couple of verses. Here's what it says. It's in Romans chapter 7. And just really short. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. And now it talks about marriage, but now it's going to apply it. What does this have to do with Jesus? And what does it help us to understand about Christ and what he did? That's what it says. Likewise, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. The old and new covenant are kind of like two different husbands. To be married to the old covenant is to be awfully wedded, and we're going to talk about why. Especially compared to the new covenant that Jesus came to bring to us, to be married to the new covenant is to be happily married. And the old covenant is not as good as the new covenant. Let me show you why. The old covenant has commitments. No, that's good. Commitments are good. It's what God promises to do for us. And he promises to do a lot of things in the old covenant. But it also has commandments. Things that we need to do. And consequences that tell us if we do things that God wants us to do, we'll get blessed. But if we don't, we get cursed. And that's the old covenant. Now, the new covenant is a little bit different. And you're going to see it has one of those things. Now, the old has, well, commitments and commandments and consequences. The new covenant just has one of these three. I wonder which one it's going to be. Are they going to be consequences? Do you think it will be commandments? It's commitments. The new covenant is commitments. God promising to do things. And there's nothing that we have to do. Jesus died to bring a new covenant so that we could go from being awfully wedded to an old covenant to happily married to a new covenant. There's a story about a woman who married a very demanding man who was her husband. He gave her a list of things she had to do for him. Or else. She came to not like that list, and he made her keep the list. Well, there came a time when he died. And don't clap. But it wasn't the worst thing. But And she ended up marrying another man who was very different. He placed no conditions. 
on his love and acceptance of her. But one day while she was cleaning in the chest of drawers, she reached in and she found a piece of paper. And she didn't know what it was. And she took this piece of paper out and it was the list that the first husband had given her. And when she saw that list, she started to get all nervous. And and she remembered the way she felt when her first husband made her do those things in order that he would love her. But then she thought about her new husband, and she started to relax because he didn't make her earn his love. And you know what happened? She looked at that list and looked at the things on that list, and she was doing every single one of them, but not for the same reason. She was doing them because she loved her husband and was grateful for him, not because she had to or he wouldn't love her anymore. There's a difference. Now we're in a position to understand why Christ died on the cross. It's what it says. You died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You know why Jesus came to die? So that you could go from being married to the old covenant with its commitments, commandments, and consequences, and you could be married to the new covenant. It's like we get to divorce the old covenant and marry the new covenant, and it's a way better deal. So, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be lawfully widowed, and we could go from being married to the old covenant to being married to the new. What does it mean to be under the new covenant? It says, here's what the new covenant promises. This is a really important commitment. Look what it says. I will be merciful toward their iniquities. Iniquities is sins. It's things that, that when we don't do what God wants, he, it's the new covenant says God will be merciful. And look at this. I will remember their sins no more. Now that doesn't mean that God forgets things like your mom and dad do. We, God, when it says I will remember their sins no more, It's he doesn't bring them to mind. So when he thinks about you, he's not thinking about your sins. Now, that's a pretty good deal. And he's not counting. So it's, well, there's a story I'm going to tell you. You're familiar with this. And it kind of talks about what that might feel like. I bet you you know this story. Let me just let me just read it for you. Show the images. The Wemmicks were small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall. Others were short. Some wore hats. Others wore coats. But all were made by the same carver, and all lived in the village. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. 
up and down the streets, all over the city. People spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones. Those with smooth wood and fine paint always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars, too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words or could sing pretty songs, and everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else and get another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched. So the people would give him more dots. Then when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly and the Wemmicks would give him more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water, and then people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that some people would come up and give him a dot for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had a lot of dots. He felt better around them. One day he met a Wemmick who was unlike any he'd ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down at her for not having stars, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So we asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's up. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. But Lucia didn't hear, so Punchinello went home. And he sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself. And he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened as the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here, and he turned to leave. Then he heard his name, Punchinello. The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. 
Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little Wemmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I tried really hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. Hmm. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the more you, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and sat him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you. And I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop. But in his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. And when he said that, a dot fell to the ground. It would be nice if we could see God and if he could pick us up. If we could see him smile at us. It would be nice if Jesus could touch us the way he touched people when he was here. But you know what? That is going to happen someday. Here's what Jesus said. In my father's house are many rooms. When Jesus talked about this promise, this is the kind of house he was talking about. We think of a mansion on a hill. But that's not the kind of houses that they had in Israel. It was a bunch of apartments around a common courtyard. And what he was saying, in my father's house, there are many places you can live on the outside of the courtyard. And he didn't just say that. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's talking about how weddings worked. Here's how a wedding worked. The man would go to the house of his bridegroom, and he would arrange to engage, he would become engaged to her. Then 
the man would leave her. And he would go to the, this is called an insula. Remember that? That's an insula. That's the way, that's what they called these buildings, insulas. And what he would do, he would go build a room. Now, that wasn't just a room. He would build an apartment on the periphery. He would make another place so that he would, when he finished the place, he would go back. Well, Jesus said, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So once the groom completes the preparations, he goes back to get his bride, brings her, and then they have a wedding feast. And that's the way it works. So here's what Jesus was saying. We are the bride. We are the people that Jesus wants to be engaged to. We are the ones that he wants to marry, all of us. So that's who we are. We are the bride. And Jesus is the bridegroom. He is now, well, what is he doing? He's preparing a place for us. I don't know if it's going to look like this. I don't know what heaven looks like. But he's preparing a place for us. And you know what that means? He is going to come back someday, and he's going to take us there. And we're going to live with him and with one another forever. That's what Jesus came to die for. And then when we go there, there's going to be a marriage supper. And here's what it says. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus came to die so that if we believe in him and understand that he died for us, because he loves us, because the Father loves us and wants us to be with him forever. We're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'll tell you what, is that some place you'd like to be? I want to go there. And it's something that will happen when we leave this earth, but it's something that we get to look forward to. Communion, actually. You know what? Communion is like a reminder of the marriage supper. It's Jesus will come and take us to himself so that where he is, we may be also. So now that we think of communion, it's just set up in the back. I want you to think about what communion means. It's Jesus coming so that we could go from awfully wedded to happily married. We could go from an old covenant to a new covenant. He is preparing a place for us, and he's going to come back. And he's going to take us to be with him, and we're going to live with him forever. So go and get the juice and the bread, and we'll listen to some songs. And then when you get to your seat, think about Jesus and how much he cares for you and what he's doing right now, preparing a place for you, and he's going to come back and get you. You think about that. Think about that. And thank him. And then eat the bread and drink the juice, and we'll have a song. Go ahead. We pray for us. Uh, thanks that you want us to be part of your forever family. Um, Jesus prepares a place for us, and someday he will come back and bring us to be with him, that we may be there also. Thank you for salvation, for the price you paid to be able to extend it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.